We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a surprise episode of the MFC, baby. I got a I got a very special panel today. Two smoke shows in the building, too, <laughs> if we're going by those standards. My guy, Steve, who, if you guys listen to the World Cup preview show, we had him on then. Steve, one yo, duo. Yo. What's, What's going good? on, guys? Got to be back. Nick, thanks for having me. And uh, also, on the other end, guys, you're gonna you're gonna get surprised when you hear this guy talk because <laughs> this is the first person we've had on the show with a uh, with an accent. My guy, Mass, Mass, say what up to the people. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, pleasure to being here. Uh, my name is Mass, and I'm from Copenhagen, Denmark. Mm. I I normally live in LA, but I'm out here in New York for a bit for work. And the guys asked me to come on today and talk a little bit about soccer in Europe. So that's what I'm here for. Well, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, for you you played. Um, Steve was telling me a little bit, and Steve tends to be a liar. So let's just <laughs> let's just make <laughs> wow. sure that uh, let me on blast. I thought well. I'm pretty truthful, yeah, man. Yeah, Damn, yeah. it's crazy. So uh, you played semi-pro soccer. Yeah, and you played over in Europe. Yes. All right, so. Tell it like what position did you play? Let's start off with so that. So let's start off like I began playing when I was three. Mm. So that's pretty normal back home. Like in Denmark, you start really early and it's like 22 kids running after the ball. I think you're like probably only like 14 kids at that point. And, and you just get into it that way. Um, I'm a defender. used to play right back. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but playing, yeah. I actually never had a break before now since I was three. 
Oh, so shit. So you played soccer throughout the whole... Throughout my whole life, yeah. And how old are you now? I'm 28. 28. Okay, so he's two years older than you, a year older than me. Yes, sir. So I'm the old guy here. Damn, man. <laughs> Straight through. I mean, yo, with soccer, like, I remember when we... Because me and him met playing soccer, too, mm-hmm. from yeah. the youth levels. I was actually cool with, with Petey first, his cousin. Yeah. You remember my cousin uh, before, then, I think. Yeah. And then that's how who that's who I really want to get on this show yeah, too. We're gonna have to get him on. Yeah, he, uh, this guy has like traveled to all the famous like stadiums in the world. He's been to where uh, Boca Juniors plays. I would love that. Yeah. yeah, he went on a whole like Gatorade tour. They brought him around. It was I was I was living vicariously through him for a minute. <laughs> yeah, he got custom crazy. jerseys from like every yeah, team that yeah. I moved that's for. Amazing. Yeah, it was yo. Crazy. So when did when did you start playing? Because I started playing around like four years old. Also, yeah, I played till when I was four, but I kind of sucked till I was probably came to Cosmos where I started to improve a bit you know because like the long island level wasn't that good and then i kind of got thrown into the fire with cosmos and and i was working six seven days a week on getting my game to be better to where i was playing in college and now you know playing for cosmos and doing a lot better than i than i than i was in the past so you know my pops always says he always told me a story back in the day um we were playing against the team like it was a premier team not Mm -hmm. me but we were watching a game and he's i was 11 12 years old my dad was super competitive so was i but i just wasn't as good as soccer as he was in like football and you know how he is. Oh, yeah, I threw yeah, the ball yeah. 80 yards, you know, shout out, shout out to the Miami <laughs> <Shout> Dolphins, <laughs> <laughs> Miami miracle baby. So, uh, you know, we were playing against the team. He's like, damn, my son, my son is never going to be a, a, as good as these guys on the field. Now, six years later, I'm captaining, uh, the Cosmo squad against that same exact team that we were watching six years prior, you know? So just goes to show it's some hard work and dedication, what you can do, you know, whatever you put your mind to. I also think like the difference is, so when we played on Cosmos, Petey's dad was the coach. Yeah. Comes from a European background. Correct. Greek Cyprian dude. Where that's why I think the biggest difference is where you were getting coaching from European guys, yeah. obviously, right? Where like here, there's still that stigma of you gotta be the best athlete, you gotta be the fastest guy. It's all like conditioning. So the one thing that I've always noticed with the American soccer player and the difference between the European guys, like the European guys, you guys are way more technical. Right. Your stuff growing up, it's ball control. Mm-hmm. It's simple stuff like that. One touch. Your first touch needs to be perfect. Where here it's like, well, this kid could run for 120 minutes. But it's like, yeah, this guy can't trap a ball if he gets a long ball. You know what I mean? So, dude, high school, we used to do 10 mile runs without the ball, which is ridiculous. What am I in cross country? You know, so it was like, what kind of style is that? We went to Dallas Cup. I don't know if, if it was the, the first time or the second time that we were there, but we were training with in the same hotel as Cruzeiro from Brazil. Mm-hmm. And we were, uh, my uncle was talking to their coach, asking about their drills. He goes, we never, ever, ever do anything than more than 80% of sprints, but everything is with the ball. Yeah. And Which, that's how you have to be. I'm sure it was like that in Denmark, right, yeah. guys? That's one of the things I'm realizing when I, when I watch sport over here. It's like soccer here is seen a lot as like a lot of the other sports. Mm-hmm. So if you see guys reading about baseball, they go to the back page of the newspaper and it's like home runs. Do, do, do. Everything is like dot down to like numbers, numbers, numbers. Where when you talk European soccer, it's much more like the flow of the game. How is like these players interacting and stuff like that where everything... In the states, it's more like facts all the time. Like how it's many more number-driven. Yeah. Yeah. How many goals do you have? Assists yeah. and yeah, yeah. So, so, and I think something like that because I've been trying to like find a team to play with out in LA and a little bit here when I was in New York. And one of the things I realized is like you have really good players, but when they are our age, it's probably different with the new generation because they like get into it really, really young. But we went out to play once, yeah. and I played a little bit in LA, and it's like. A lot of the players here, you can tell that they didn't grow up with soccer, mm-hmm. and they got it into a later, later age or like stage in life because 
you might have a guy who's like phenomenal at shooting, but he can't pass the ball. Yeah. Right. Then there's a guy who's amazing at passing the ball, but he couldn't defend if his life depended on it. So you don't have like the whole package. You don't like, you're not grown up with it. You learn it from like, you've seen Cristiano Ronaldo on TV and you like go and do 200 free kicks to be like him. So it's much more like, like divided into positions as you see like football or uh, basketball or something like that. Right. Where in Europe, it's much more like a floating thing. You can like change positions. You can do it. So you get a, I think you get a more whole idea of the game. Yeah. I, I also think the thing with Europe, because I remember when we went to Greece, Yeah. that was like the last time that I really played soccer. And then from there, when I came back, dude, I, I, I fucked up, man. I was like really good at one point. And then we went to Greece. I had a really good tournament when we were out there. Yeah, yeah. And then I stayed in Greece for six weeks. Mm. All I did was eat. Yeah. Put on like 25 <laughs> pounds. I came back. His uncle goes, you know, what the fuck happened? You becoming a linebacker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on? You know, and then from there, like, I just naturally pivoted over to, to football because I put on more size as far as, like, being lean and whatnot. Right. And that's the other thing, too. Like, everyone thinks that everyone needs to look like a football. Like, you know, um... What's the Brazilian dude that's oh, Hulk? Hulk yeah, from Hulk, Brazil? Hulk, yeah. You see that and you're He's like, brolic, that guy yeah. looks... You've never seen a soccer player like that. Yeah. And that's the stigma with the American players where they think that they need to be freak athletes like that. And yeah. it's not always the case. Dude, Messi's how tall? 5'6", 5'7"? That's the beauty of like Cristiano and Messi being the best right now. It's really shown that like you can... Be different as like, far as appearance. Yeah, there is no like one prototype of the best player. Correct. Because yeah. they are like totally different. Like Cristiano is this super athlete, like he runs the fastest, he jumps the highest, messes everything the else, yeah. but he's just like born with something else. Like, yeah, I I think it's it goes back to the fundamentals too, man. But I think it's starting to change more. You know, it is. Um, I remember growing up at least in Long Island, so I had two very different playing ages. Like I said, um, until I was fourteen, I was pretty much playing in Long Island at the lower divisions and they would bring in trainers that just had an English accent that knew absolutely jack shit about the game of soccer. Yeah, right? I'm glad you brought that up because they would say, oh, this guy's from England. Yeah, yeah. So he knows. It has to be yeah. you know, he has an accent. He's Italian yeah. accent. He must know yeah. soccer. Like, you know, it's not but, the case. But they do that with basketball in Denmark. Like we I have guess the upcoming basketball league. Uh, yeah. So yeah. a lot of the guys who come out of college and, and don't from make the it, US, you're saying if they don't make it to the NBA, they go to like Argentina, Spain, or Italy. If they're not good enough for that, they go further down. Fourth level would be like Denmark. So every team has one of two American players. Interesting. And they often have a coach who has like been high school coaching or been in America, or just have an American accent or something like that. And they just assume right away that because he's born with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow, I mean, like I, I just remember and, and he was kind of a shit trainer too. Like it was nothing special. And yet all the parents like, but he has an English accent. And I'm like, that I think that's when my dad saw it and he's like, I gotta take my kid out of here. Now mm. luckily, like my uncle ran the cosmos in, in, in Queens and in, in New York. And that was a place for me to become a better player. But had my uncle not been the coach of Cosmos, I would my level was nowhere near to make it playing with you guys. You know, yeah. like I went from playing 10 minutes a game like shit, let's load Steve's side of the field to captaining a team and being really, really good. I mean, that was through years of training. Yeah. But now you're getting real training. Like my training regiment changed so much going to, from Co from Long Island to Cosmos because you had people like this in Long Island that didn't know anything about culture, about yeah. soccer. And you had someone like my uncle who played professionally in Cyprus and he knew like how to make a player better and how to bring out the best in them and i think that's like a major thing that's starting to change in the u.s because we're starting to bring more people from around the mm -hmm. world as you know younger trainers although i'm not really happy with the 
the hire we had as our U.S. Uh, men's coach. Berhalter from the Columbus crew. Yeah, I just feel like with all that you know, time that we spent looking for a coach, it could have been a little bit better. Uh, but, hey, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I got to give him a, a fair chance. That's always just my outlook, being yeah. optimistic. I want I want to ask you, Mass, yeah. as someone who is outside looking in to U.S. soccer, how would you say, first of all, how do you view it right now? Like, how, how do you, when, when you think of U.S. soccer, and we're talking about, like, the men's team, and we're talking about, like, the MLS. So let, let's start off with the MLS. What are your thoughts on, like, just the MLS in general? It's changed a lot. When I started hearing about it, it was like, it, it was a joke. It mm-hmm. wasn't really anything. But they they made a pretty big effort of getting like European players mm. who might have been past their prime, but because like the American level is a little lower, they can actually still perform Play at really, a high really level. well. And some countries done that in a good way, and some done in a bad way. And I think like MLS actually did it in a good way. Mm-hmm. Each team have a couple of players that actually performing really well. Slots and whenever he's playing, is doing amazing. Yeah. Um, David Villa here with just the, left to go yeah. to Japan or some shit like that. Well, the the Asian market, they're paying yeah, players like 50 million euros yeah. a season. Of yeah. course, you would go. But yeah. I mean, it was smart, like you said. I mean, the U.S. MLS, um, you know, federation. What they did is they're now they're bringing in these guys because yeah. they're increasing the credibility of the league. Even though people from Europe are saying, oh, it's a retirement league, if you look at it now, all the young players want to come to play with Zlatan, want to come to play with David Villa, and they're de- starting to develop, like, I guess it's like more of a marketing scheme. And I think what they, the difference is, like, it. if you see China, for example, each team, they have, like, Hulk or something, but, like, who's the rest of the player of the team? Yeah. It's, like, national guys who don't get paid anything, so it becomes, like, these trophy teams where each team has, like, two decent players, and yeah. the rest is just, like, local Mm. where in MLS it's actually it's more like you get like superstars that like adds a little bit to the team so it's not like Slatson when he's there he's amazing yeah but like they can also win without him mm. like they need him they have talent like, around it too yeah. yeah and I think as you say it helps like attract and it helps the popularity to build here absolutely because like when like let's say 10 years ago people in America would say girl, uh, soccer was a girl sport mm-hmm. and something like you see young guys want to do it because they want to be like them they, they saw like Terry Angry when he come to Red, Red Bulls. Bulls back in the days and stuff like that. They want to be that. Yeah. They want to be on that team. Everybody in this in this town loved Beckham, stuff like that. So yeah, I think he it's really, really started it. Remember when that was the first that guy was, that came over? That was hype, bro. When he came, yeah, he came to the uh, the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he got he had left for Real Madrid and got paid. They gave right. him like five years, two hundred fifty million dollars. Something, crazy. but it did help. And he's right. You know, you bring these big names in. And he's and about it, to start his own team, right? Yeah, in Miami. It's Miami, yeah. We definitely circle. need to. Uh, we need to go to some games <laughs> out in Miami. We'll leave that for another <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, Miami trip, yeah. But we'll uh, yo, going back to that, man, you bring up a good point because what that did with bringing these international guys in is it brought eyes to the screen. Where right. also the one thing that I think has really helped soccer in this country is it's easier to watch games. Remember how you used to watch Premier League games back in the day, bro? You had to like illegally Absolutely. stream it or yeah. you had to go to that one bar yeah. in the whole city that yep. would show only Man U games yeah. because they were the most popular team. Now it's like Fox has soccer. Mm-hmm. They have the Bundesliga and La Liga. ESPN shows games. They show Champions League. The NBC Sports has all the Premier League games. And I, I remember this one time I was, uh, I was working in the city with my pops. And we saw someone wearing a Sutherland jersey. And they were playing Wolverhampton. <laughs> and he goes, dude, the fact that that game is on TV yeah. tells you everything it you need to know about this dude, country. there are certain bars for ju- that are just soccer-based Yeah, that you can watch any Premier League game, La Liga, like you were saying before. Like, If you could picture that five years ago even being a thing, people would laugh at you for bars dedicated. And think about the World Cup, how crazy that is. Yeah. 
That's but, the one thing that the, gets me frustrated about the U.S. Though, like everyone's a soccer fan during well, World it's, Cup. It's, but a, it's good though. It's, it's a, a good sense thing. of patriotism, nationalism. Yeah, you know I think every I mean? country. No, has but that what I was surprised like, about was that even the last World Cup, we weren't in, and it was still being viewed all over, and people were still going. I mean, obviously we're in New York, so yeah, we have more culture here. Exactly. Yeah, but we we went to a couple bars in Queens, which I like to say is the most diverse place in the whole world. Yeah. Like you walk down where we're gonna go after, we're gonna go to some bars down the road. There's nine different restaurants from nine different countries on one block. Yeah. It's a very diverse area over here. So it's not, but I hear what you're saying. People do come out for those games. Going back to uh, Denmark was in the World Cup. Yeah. Were you here or were you in Denmark during? I was, I was actually, I was back in LA and I was actually getting all Danish people in Hollywood together to catch uh-huh. the games. So how was that vibe like? Because what you said, Steve, is mad true. Like we went out for uh, Argentina, France. Yeah. Right? And we saw a lot of French and Argentinian people. Right. How was it? Was were people out out west like coming out for games too? Yeah. You you have to realize like soccer in Europe and soccer in Denmark, like 10% of our population is currently member of a soccer club. Wow. That means like here it's baseball, basketball, ice hockey and football uh-huh. together and mm-hmm. bigger. Yeah. And all those four sports together. So it's like you never like you never meet a boy who's who hasn't been playing soccer one time in his life. Everybody knows how to play it's soccer. kinda like you're gonna play so soccer. It's, like, it's a way of life, yeah. Everywhere else but here. Mm-hmm. And people like Denmark won the Europe Cup in like ninety two and people still talk about that like that's one of our like biggest achievements. And and we have a really good young team, so everybody was like psyched about it. The thing was our games were like at seven o'clock, five o'clock, uh, and nine o'clock Coast. in the morning. Because I was in LA. So I would actually like hit up these bars and arrange them to like open earlier because I was like, I'm gonna bring 20 Danish people. We're gonna like eat breakfast, have coffee, everything. We're gonna pay for it. Uh, and people showed up. People will bring their wives, girlfriends at six o'clock in the morning to watch it. And even like the people that are not even interested in soccer, it's like it's a national thing. Yeah. Well, we're, we're also just naturally as, as people, no matter where you are, we're just curious, right? Mm-hmm. So if all of us are around, at a bar at 7 a.m., yeah. you're walking by, you're like, what the hell are these people doing? In yeah, there? You just yeah. naturally, that, that's just how we are, right? Yeah. You see a crowd of a bunch of people, you're just going to naturally put it me, over there. Let me try to put it like this. I, I saw the three opening games from Denmark here, and then I went back to Denmark for like a summer vacation. And I went to one of Europe's biggest festivals called Roskilde Festival. When Denmark played, Denmark played, a, not the quarterfinal, but the... The game before that. The round, round of 16. 16. Yeah. They yeah. played against Croatia. And we were actually the only teams before the final who, who was you leading against PKs, Croatia. No? What? You took them yeah, to the Yeah, Croatia. Yeah. Um, when that game was playing at this festival, which is like a six-day Coachella, they postponed every concert. It was in Denmark? It was in... No, like oh, the game in? was shown. Oh, okay, okay. The game was shown on a big screen. Yeah. 50,000 people in the middle of the day in like 100 degrees would show up Drink beer and watch that game. Oh, I got chills, man. Like, Could you imagine some shit like that? International artists was told to wait two hours to play because they're like, if you play now, you're not going to get any spectators. No one's going to pay attention to So that. we're going to like push you two hours. That's like, that's the thing it is back home. And even like the people who's not interested in soccer, it's just like, it's Denmark. Like it's your country playing. It's like nationalism full on, like in a happy way. Yeah. But yeah. still like, it's a big thing. Everybody's wearing red and white. It's, it's I big. mean, dude, I, you know, it, one of the things that I think really killed the growth of soccer here is not making the World Cup. Yeah. Because this is a generation now of young kids that they didn't get to see our guys, you know? And it sets us back a little bit. It does. The only thing that's good is we do have a young core of guys where 
I'd say like 10 to 15 big names for the United States players are playing overseas. Yeah. Which is the biggest thing. Um, how do you, how do people in Denmark or in Europe view the U S men's national team? Is this still a joke? Is it taken seriously? No, I think you guys started to have like players in the premier league and stuff like that's that. That's what I think helped it for sure. Um, I think, I think we're still surprised of like how, like you're such a big country and still not better, but it depends on like, it always depends on how much energy you put in it. Of course. If you, if you look at the history uh, of America, the soccer was an immigrant sport. Mm -hmm. So the Irish and the Italian will play soccer. So the whole school system in America actually like banned soccer from school because they wanted the new people to assimilate the culture and play baseball because that's the national sport. Yeah. So it was actually illegal for a lot of school children to play soccer because you want to keep the European culture out. Mm -hmm. So it's been harder for that sport to like Grow. find its ground here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think like people are starting to get their eyes up for it. Like it was a good investment investing in all these old Premier League and La Liga players. And, and I think it's like paying off. People are actually starting to watch the games. And I think one of the things you actually got going for you, which sometimes is a disadvantage, is the time difference. Mm. Because imagine you live in LA. There's nine hours time difference to Copenhagen or England or eight hours to England. If you're really obsessed with soccer, you have the prime time and that's only going to be MLS games. Mm. Because if you want to watch um, La Liga or something, it will be like while you're at work. Yeah. Where that's sometimes the problem with the Danish league because we play at the same time as the English league or the Spanish league or the Italian league. So the Danish games lose a lot of their spectators because like it's not People as interesting. Other, yeah, and yeah. it's like it's six o'clock. I can watch one game. You'll choose Barcelona. Yeah. But if it's six o'clock here, you can't choose Barcelona. You can choose Paris Saint-Germain. I actually never thought about that. Yeah, that, that's true. You I choose mean, something fun with less. Or Mexico. Saturday yeah. mornings yeah. at 7.30 a.m. for us in New York, that's when the first English yeah. Premier League game is. And there's a game on at 10, then 12.30, then 3 o'clock yeah, sometimes. So I actually right. think that's going to give a lot of growth to the game here. Because when people get that passion... like Take me, for example. If I sit on a Saturday in front of the screen, I can watch every mm. soccer game no matter what it is. I just want to watch something. Yeah. If it's the second best league from Italy... Who gives them? Like, we'll watch it. Yeah. So that's how people feel when they are like so invested in the sport. And I think the same is going to happen here. And the game that's on is going to be like DC United. Yeah. When you would go and travel overseas to play soccer, mm -hmm. how, how did people view you? Because I only got to go to Greece and like I was Greek. So I wasn't looked at as like an American. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like when we went, they, so when, when you went elsewhere, was it, was it like, oh, it's like the American kid, we're going to slap him around or some shit? Yeah, I don't know if it was really like taken exactly like that. Or if that was the case, they definitely didn't make it known. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like they were respectful about it. But I don't know if it's if it's more or less like he said. I think it's starting to grow now in, in the U.S. and we're getting a better reputation in Europe. Mm -hmm. But what I think, like you said, with the, with the U.S. soccer team, right? So we didn't make world cup was horrible but the good thing about it was that it forced us to rebuild and also the other good thing is how many people cared yeah yeah which was we, crazy that we didn't make it right yeah. if you turn that into a positive it's like yeah. it was leading cnn bbc yeah mm -hmm. espn everything was like yo how did we not make the world cup right. which which and i think is one of the reasons it's going to change because like i agree one of the reasons soccer haven't been this popular in, in the states let's be honest it's like you're the best in the world at basketball Combined with Canada, you're the best in the world at ice hockey. Mm -hmm. You're the best in the world at football. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, 
why would you play something you're not the best in the world at? Yeah, yeah. It's like the American ego. Like, we win everything else. Now, you have to compete in a sport where you know you're going to lose. And the one thing that they always they always turn to, and it's such a lame argument, is they look at a country like Iceland, right? What is it? I think... Um, like ninety five percent of the people in Iceland were watching the games for the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, I think it's yeah. right. Ninety eight or something. It yeah, was something even yeah. crazier. I'm yeah. selling them short, and it's like they're the, they're smaller than the borough of the Bronx. But shout out to Iceland, great yeah. girls, great girls. Yeah, I'm sure. But but like with the Bronx, right? Like they'll use that as you know, it's such a small country. How come we're a, a big country like he, like Mass was saying before? Yeah. It's three hundred million plus people here. It's like we can't get we can't assemble a team. But it's like, what do you say? It's like. Our energy is not in soccer. Yeah, and I think also like our best athletes, they're playing something else. Something else. Imagine if you like you hear a lot of players who are like equally good at like baseball, football, something, mm. and they have to choose. Yeah. It's a hard choice. If you in America until now, maybe it's changing. If you were equally good, let's say at basketball and soccer, you'll look at the pay chance. Oh, yeah. You'll and choose then basketball decision, every yeah. single time. Which means all the like what you call them, like freak of nature, like the born athletes like a LeBron James they will go somewhere else LeBron would never have chosen soccer no mm -hmm. matter like how good he was because of the money yeah because yeah. of the money because of like the chance of getting into a better university because of like the future plans everything like that and the stigma of soccer in general yeah. I mean like everyone in, in high school wants to date the football star yeah. or the basketball star I mean like and when everyone, you grow up in Europe that's soccer yeah like you, you're the king yeah that, like, that's everywhere else but here I mean, it's changing a bit, um, but like I said, it, it will always be dominant, like dominantly like a football country, but you see the talent that are rising through the ranks in the U.S., and I just think that, well, well, we also look at it too. Let's let's not overlook the fact that in the U.S., the academies are really killing everything. You need money to play for an academy. Yeah. I think Maz can attest to it, and, and he'll tell us about his experience, but in the U.S., you need money to play for an academy, and you, you're missing the, that natural talent on the streets. Guys who, in, in I remember, I don't know if you know, there was this guy in Cosmos, we had uh, Carlos, right? He was a street player. I think this was after you, you weren't playing with us anymore. He was a street player, and he didn't even have any money or anything like that, right? And then I forget who scouted him or something like that, but my uncle ended up bringing him on the team saying, don't worry about paying for being on the team. You know, you're, you look like you could be a really good player. Had no organized soccer experience mm -hmm. whatsoever. And... We played, he played the first game with us, scored four goals, and ended up being a really key player for us going down the last couple of years that we were playing organized soccer together before we all yeah. went off to college. Then played in college and made it, had a career of himself because, you know, he was given all this opportunity. Imagine on a small scale like that, imagine how many other kids are out there with so much talent not being able to play organized soccer because they don't have the money to do it, yet the U.S. won't help them. A guy like Cristiano Ronaldo played on the streets. Yeah, that's the thing. You always see the famous pictures of the, these kids from like Brazil, Argentina, Colombia. Yeah. They're playing with a bunch of socks mm. just put put together and they make a ball out of it, yeah. right? They're barefoot. barefoot. They're, they're playing with plastic bags. Yeah. And here, that's the thing. That's what I think the biggest issue is, Mass. And we'll, we'll get to how much like the academies are over in Europe, but... Over here, it's like, you know, you want to take a kid and put him at a top team for the summer. One of my customers, he's an alumni from Wisconsin University. He played soccer there. He's like, dude, the, the travel coach is like, it's $5,000 for six weeks. He's like, I can't do that. And this is a guy who makes six figures a, a year. But it's like, I have three kids. If I have her play, I'm going to have to have him and him play too. Before you know it, you're dropping like $20,000 roughly. Account gas, hotels, and all that shit. Just to get your kid to play. Here exactly. in this country, it's the rich man's game. Yeah. That hockey. 
But right? that's a deep discussion because you can take the same discussion about school here. Mm. It's like it's the it's the way the society is put together. Yeah. Where if you take, I think playing at a soccer club in Denmark will cost you hundred bucks a year. That's I guess that's. And you guys start how young? I mean, like three. they're starting you professionally and putting you into the ranks of of a certain academy, right? And yeah. some people grow from the moment they're three, four years old, right, at a prof- professional academy, and they grow until they become a professional, mm. and they debut the, for their first teams. That how often do you see that? Or if not, maybe you start with one team till you're thirteen, fourteen, then you get scattered to a bigger team. Like it's it's, it's I mean, such a I mean, system. It, there. it happened for me as well. Normally, you start like in your local, local club. I played my local club when I was like three to eight. Mm. And then there was two, like I'm from, I'm from the capital. I'm from Copenhagen. There was like these, the two biggest clubs in Denmark, uh, FC Copenhagen and Brøndby. And they are both like in five, like two miles proximity from where I live. So those two clubs, when you reach like eight or 10, they start to take all the talent from all mm. the small clubs. Uh, I was actually supposed to go to FC Copenhagen. I showed up to training. The coach forgot to tell my dad that training was canceled. My dad was like so pissed. He was like, we're going to go to the competitor. So I went to Brunbury and played there for like five years until I changed. F- FC Copenhagen asked me to go to them. Um, but then you become like, our soccer clubs are like private. So like where your sports is like combined with school, mm-hmm. this is like an after school thing. So you're not like, you don't have to be at a certain certain club. You can choose whichever you want to. So you would do um, school and then... You, you do school for like eight to four and then you practice at at six at night or something. So that that's pretty normal. And then when you become really good, there's like some some of the big teams, let's say Brunbury and FC Copenhagen, they attach like academies. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you could do your high school there or something like that. You see, that's a that's another big difference here, man, where, you know, you, you might be playing professional at 16, 17. Yeah, you can make money when you're 16. Right? Here, you're... A, you're trying junior? to get a scholarship. You're, you're a sophomore, a junior in high school, right? You're trying yeah. to get a scholarship. Yeah. Here's the biggest disadvantage, guys. And if you listen to the show, you've heard me uh, be very outspoken on this. I'm 16, 17 years old. I'm a, I'm a sophomore, junior. I'm, I'm looking to get a scholarship to, to college, which is another fortune you got to pay. Yeah. Right? Them student loans suck. It's the number one debt in the whole nation. You graduate high uh, college. You're what, 22, 23? That's all we do. You say? You're already a superstar. Let's, let's use Mass as an example, right? Say me and Mass, right? We're we're both 16 years old. He's playing professionally. I'm a junior. Yeah. Right. I go to I go to the number one program in the country. I go to I don't know. I go to UNC or I go to UCLA or whatever. Okay. I graduate at 22, 23. I get drafted to the MLS. I'm a professional now at 23. Mass has been playing professional since Five, he was six seven years. years he's been playing. Yeah, seven years. So like, like, I'm in I'm in a hole. Yeah. I, I can never yeah. catch up to him. Like, Rare cases I could. But you already have superstars at 21 years old, yeah. 20 years old. Look at Neymar. Look at Cristiano. Look at Messi. These guys at 21 were... But uh, When did Cristiano win his first Ballon d'Or? Maybe 23, 24? I forget what it was, but it was something ridiculous. That's probably young. how the number one pick in the MLS is yeah. going to be. And this guy's the best player in the world yeah. at that age. It's Most of the Danish guys who become like really, really great talent, they're already sold abroad when they're like less than like 18. And the big clubs in Holland, Italy, Spain picks them up already. Yeah, because you always you already been on the big scene for like a couple of years. Yeah, and and like the one the one guy that's the the, the shiny new toy for the U.S. is Pulisic. Yeah. Any chance I get to mention him, you know me, Steve. That's my guy. It's <laughs> yeah. like I have a man crush on the dude, and I'm like eight years older than him, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but you know he plays in Dortmund, and his his story is 
Yeah. He's very good. He actually came in second in the Copa Trophy, which is the best right player Mbappe. under yeah. Mbappe. Won like 80% of the votes. Yeah. <laughs> we got a couple of votes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, his dad said at 14 years old, he went the, conve- the completely non-conventional route, right? He didn't put his kid in a high school and then go college. He's like, nah, dude. You could see from a young age that, you know what, that kid's special. Right. I, I, I like to tell this story. When, when I went to Buffalo for college, some of my roommates and the kids on my floor, they played hockey with Patrick Kane. Okay. Patrick Kane is one of the best players in the NHL. He's won many Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks. Right. He's an American. He lived out in the Buffalo, Rochester area. And I asked them, I'm like, yo, you guys played with him, right? They're like, yeah, same age and all that. I was like, when did you guys know that? He was this something kid, special. They said at eight years old. Yeah, you know that already. You know that. So his dad, Pulisic's dad, is like, I'm not going to go that route. I'm taking him to Europe, put him in an academy, and now look. He's a, he's the best player that my pop says, and my pops is like the guy I turn to the way you do for like all yeah. your like sports knowledge yeah. and shit. My dad's like, that's the best American player that they've ever had, yeah. and he's 19. Yeah. And he's going to be the future of American soccer. Imagine, imagine I, I kind of like realized at the age of 21 that I wouldn't make it. You guys wouldn't even be out of school then. That's when I realized like it was too late. Like I, I'll just play because I love the yeah. game. I'll play some semi-pro, maybe collect make a couple. They make like, a couple hundred dollars a game. My whatnot. my best friend, my best friend made it. Shout out to Oliver. He became a pro at seventeen. Uh huh. So imagine like we there in high school, taking the bus to school every day. He gets his first apartment, like his first car. And that is in Denmark where we have hundred eighty percent tax on a car. So if you buy a car, like you're up there, and. And that was that was a seventeen, so like when you're twenty one, it's like it's last chance. Yeah, yeah. And and that's where I realized like I had to put in university and stuff like that. Damn, that's um, cr- I didn't know it was like so, that. So yeah, you can t- like these. You become like part of these special academy stuff. I think when you're fifteen now, something like that. And that's Denmark where we let kids be kids. If you go to like Eastern Europe, Croatia, something like that, they put you in at twelve. Like you still go to school, but you like train two times a day. So how much different would you say it is like, uh, say FC Copenhagen and then, uh, what's the big one in the nether? Oh, like Ajax. Yeah. Which is, my, I'm Danish Dutch. So Ajax is actually my team. That's my family team. You know, they, uh, the uh, best uh, academy in the world. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm actually, my favorite Greek team is AEK Athens. Yeah. You guys kind of just beat them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, let's take it easy. Right? Um, I how, think we were talking about it for lunch, like two months. Yeah. Back yeah. I was like, we're going to run it. And, you know, he wasn't polite then either. This piece yeah. of but, uh, yo, t- tell us, what do you know about Ajax, man? Because you guys listening, Ajax is like, I mean, if I could compare it to, it's like the Alabama of, you know how like Alabama in college football, mass in in college football, Alabama, man, everybody's going to the NFL that you see that plays there on Saturdays. It's an absolute juggernaut. And that's what Ajax is, guys, to academy soccer in the world. So like, what do you know about like Ajax? What, what, What makes that so special? I mean, I mean, in many ways, Ajax is like a special club that was the first was the first club that invented the idea of like that every player should be able to play every position mm. so like back in the days you were like stuck to be like left wing or something like that where i said like if something happens in the, in the game everybody should be able to like change adjust around to, take, yeah adjust to a new system which make them invincible for a couple of years after that until everybody else started doing it and then they became the first to do this academy because they're like we want to create like whole players because they saw a lot of these guys that used all of their life becoming pro soccer players who like let's say they tore the ACL or like break the leg or something like that and then suddenly they had nothing on the side. Mm-hmm. So they were like, We wanna create whole people. So we're gonna give them like the best education where you can. Like if you're in Ajax and you don't hand in your papers, you're not playing. 
Hmm. And you can be the best. Yeah, like you can be messy. Like if you don't hand in your papers and get good grades, if you fall lower than like, I don't know what it is, B or something like that, they're like, you have to do it over before. Oh, so they do, they do value education. Their there school too. is like really, really important because so they want to create like people with some. A plan after yeah. soccer in case it doesn't. So that's why a lot of families want to send their kids. Yeah, I so guess, like the families. IAC, so like, you know, so, so let's, let's say you take a family who has like one of these young kids who is like really, really talented and he just want to drive out of school and play. And the family is like, oh, we can give you the best education and the best soccer education at the same time. And that's why they became so popular because like the kids wanted to go there because of soccer. The parents the wanted parents to send there because of, the, of school. Ah, okay. So suddenly they got the best of two worlds. Yeah. And they just they just did it before everybody else. Like Denmark only been doing it for real for like let's say ten years or something. Where AJ is probably like forty fifty years old. Damn, that's interesting because yeah. you, you always hear about Ajax. Like if you look at, I feel like every big player that has come out of there, it it always traces back to like oh they were with the Ajax academy. And what Ajax still does is like they don't buy a lot of players. And if they buy them, they actually get a lot of players from Denmark. Then they don't buy they don't buy a developed player. They buy a seventeen year old Danish guy. Who has a lot of talent, but they can still like add they something to him, to them. like Christian Eriksen, the best player in Denmark right now. Yeah, they get him at seventeen. I used to play against him. They get him at seventeen. They just keep on like making him better and better and better and better, and then they sell him at an age of like twenty two, twenty three. But let's say you get drafted to NBA or something, you get your first contract. A lot of these guys they go out like they suddenly see like the zeros in the bank account, they start blowing. So like when you. When you come to Ajax at like 17, they don't put you in a fancy house. You have to live at a family. Mm. You have to like go to school. You have to learn Dutch. Like these players, they speak fluent Dutch in like half a year. Shit. You're not allowed to like have a fancy car until you're like 21 Well, they humble you. Like. They don't just give you yeah. everything on a silver platter right away. Until 21, you're not allowed to show up at practice in a fancy car, something like that. There are stages to it. So what he going back to what Nick was saying before, when you played against Christian Eriksen, how much... Better was he than everyone else on the field, or do you didn't see as big of a difference when you played against? I him? mean, I mean, there was there was a lot for my generation who made it. My best friend is playing pro now in Denmark. Uh, Mark Delhinde, another guy of my friends, is playing pro in Denmark. Christian Eriksen made it out, so there was a lot of big talent there. But you could definitely tell, like, he was probably he wasn't like on an, on one of the top teams, but not the best one. But like without him, there would have been nothing. Yeah, yeah, but he so, was like so. he was adding so much to it, and he. Like a lot of the big players, when they're really, really good, they get allowed to play with somebody el- older than themselves. So I actually think he's two years younger than me, but he was actually playing with yeah, us yeah. anyway. Mm. That's a good test for someone too. Right. You know, if you're 12, 13 years old, play him with like under 16 kids. Develops you better. Yeah. As, we, as we wrap up here, I want to get, uh, if you were a president of US soccer, what's the one thing, Steve, you would do to change? Like what would you change right now? It has to come from the youth system. Mm. So... I'm not sure exactly how it would work from a funding perspective or, you know, I don't know how their allocations go as far as finances are concerned, but I think giving more to those academies of maybe MLS teams to go ahead and scout those players who may not have the best resources to get noticed, to bring them into academies at a young age, you have to build from the youth systems up Mm. or else, listen, by the time you're 15, 16, or even 14 you've developed certain tendencies within your game that you might be hard to break out of your training habits you know the way that you the way that you play the way that you eat everything that you do you develop young you know so i think it has to come from the youth system up and i'm not entirely sure financially how that would work 
But um, I think it's something that should be pumped more money into as far as like maybe an NYCFC youth system or Red Bulls. And you see these guys competing, bringing them out to tournaments in uh, in, in Europe and having them play against the youth yeah, teams from overseas. Arsenal. And just to get that experience, you yeah. know, is I think going to be big for the future. Of I think that, that that's definitely the biggest thing, man. Like it shouldn't cost a kid $4,000 to go play for Not a team. All. Right. You can't. You, you bury the kid. The yeah. kid can't. Like you can't financially su- support it. You know, I, I, I came to a point where... My dad was like, yo, look, I can pay this for you, no problem, but just know that we're going to struggle for the next couple of months. Like, it's going to be hard to pay certain bills or right. not. And, like, I was able to understand that at a young age. But, like, just imagine if, like, you're a kid and your parents can't afford it. You know what I mean? Like, it's completely different. I agree with you. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I would, I would definitely scrap the entire cost for a kid at that age at a young age and let him play free you you have to fund them as far as like his travel his equipment and whatnot like how many kids come and their cleats are all shattered yeah you know and that's not good that's not that's not safe for the player too you know mass what would you do as 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 an outsider looking into the u.s system and how soccer is done what would you make a change i think you have to take soccer out of like the shadow of the other sports because you can view it like like we talked about earlier you can view it as the other sports where everything is statistic or something like that you have to like change it from the ground it's a different kind of sport came from a different environment um and yeah you have to to let the young kids enjoy it like let them play it at school. Let them do stuff. Let them do like we do summer camps. Every, mm-hmm. Like it's a most Danish kids they go to like soccer summer camps every like summer, and it's like you play there for two weeks with kids you don't know, like in another city stuff like that. Just just get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh, I, I'm excited though, Steve, with this new guy, man. I, I I'm gonna give him a chance just because he's built. You know, he's probably the best coach that the MLS has had the last couple of years. But I think yeah. the I think that the thing you did with like what was his name, Pulsic, the guy yeah. in, in Dortmund, which is actually it's gonna make the ripple effect now because what MLS did to begin with was they took all these old European players, and you can do that all day long, but it doesn't gonna change a lot. But when you start like sending players the other way. Mm-hmm. It starts to like string your national team when that team becomes better and you start like winning tournaments stuff like that. It becomes interesting for the young kids to yeah. do it. Yeah. So, so I think it's actually you're in a golden age right now if we have any young listeners or anything like that because like there is still room for development. But like in ten years from now, when the young kids they grow up, soccer is gonna be so so big here. So you can be like on the end of the soul right now and then just like it's going to be an extreme career it's actually a lot there was a harris poll that that put it third behind nfl nba so it's it's surpassed in many outlets baseball which is big you know because also our generation is completely different like a lot of us that grew up with immigrant parents or parents that you know from overseas now we grew up in the states right we're americans mm. but we love soccer because of them so yeah. just naturally our kids our generation when we have kids we'll be growing up like yo soccer and i think dope. there is a potential for like a really big fan base because now all these like second generation immigrant kids they cheer for like mexico or wherever they're from but they they would love to cheer for america if they had a great team so as yeah. soon as that starts to develop like the hype about it gonna get bigger and yeah it's gonna be great in this country can't wait Let's Can't wait. 20, 2026, baby. <laughs> Maybe yeah. win a World Cup I'm by 2040, yeah. 2036, whatever that is. I'm going to be 30, 35 years old. 2038. God, God help me. <laughs> 35. Guys, Dude. I hope you, you enjoyed this episode. We'll wrap this up. Uh, from the VM guys and myself, Merry Christmas. Hope you guys have a happy holidays. Steve, my brother, 
where can they find you if they want to contact you? So for music purposes, uh, One Duo Music, O-N-E-D-U-O Music, uh, on all platforms, whether that be Instagram, Twitter, Twitch. You know, me and Nick, my boy over here, we have some good times on Twitch, so, you know, join us. And uh, my personal is Steve, S-T-E-V-E, One Duo, O-N-E-D-U-O. Mass, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Tell you about your sexy accent. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? I'm actually mainly here in the states, like working, uh, working as a model. So if you want to see any of that work, hit me up at M A D S W U R M S on Instagram. I'll make sure to put the Twitter handles and yeah. uh, Instagram handles on there. You guys can find me at Veterans Minimum. I'll just plug the show because you know who I am if you've listened, and if you don't, <laughs> find out later, everybody.